0: Welcome to the Looper Podcast, the show where we make the round with interesting golf personalities. Here's your host, Eric Payton. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode. We really appreciate you taking the time to download and listen to this episode. If you haven't already, please go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram to get updates on recordings and guests. Both the show and my personal accounts will be linked in the show notes. It's at looper podcast and at Eric Payton golf. Today's guest is with PGA tour caddy, Ted Scott. He's currently looping for Bubba Watson and has been on the bag for both of his master's victories. I think you're really going to love this conversation. So without further delay, here's the interview.
1: Hey, I'm Ted Scott. I caddy for Bubba Watson, and I've been caddying for 20 years on the PGA Tour now, and I love it.
0: Awesome. Thanks for being here. So uh, how'd you get started playing golf?
1: Well, my, um, my dad played golf, and my parents were split up since I was young, but we would spend every Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, uh, major holidays with my grandfather in Alexandria, and when I was seven... They gave me a, I think it was a man's three wood, and I started hitting it. It was a Hubert Green graphite head three wood. Okay. That was probably 45 inches long and about D D10 or something. It was so heavy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I would just, you know, play on uh, on holidays with them. And then probably when I was nine, I started spending the summers at my dad's and then started playing in the summertime. And it wasn't until I was 13 that um, that we moved back to Louisiana that I had access to golf year-round. So I started playing year-round then.
0: Okay. Yeah, and then uh, I assume you play in high school and and try to play in college. Yeah, we
1: played. Um, we had a good team in high school. Actually, we we finished pretty much top three in state every year. So I had my freshman year, they had a really good team. So I had good players to inspire me. And then um, I went to college my first semester to McNeese State in Lake Charles. Mm, yeah. And then I came back to, uh, to the and Cadence okay. And I was going to walk on the team my sophomore year. I I'd, I'd made a deal with the coach. He said I could walk on mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. having to qualify. And then I actually uh, started playing a game called foosball. And I quit playing golf for three years, so I didn't okay. play anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Kind of crazy. Yeah. So then uh, after you got out of college, what was your uh, relationship with the game then?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was sitting out of school and I got involved in some different businesses and, and, um, while I was doing that, one of my friends asked me to help him with his, his golf game. So I was helping him and then I kind of had another buddy and pretty soon I had, you know, several people wanting me to help them with their golf swing and whatnot. Yeah. So I decided to turn pro. So I thought, man, I really enjoy teaching. So I'll I'll turn pro to teach. Mm -hmm. And then whenever I started teaching, I was playing a lot of golf and I'm, played golf with a guy, and I was playing really well at the time, and he, he asked me if I wanted to play mini tours, and I said I never thought about it, but sure. yeah So he gave he gave me money to do that, and um, went did a few tournaments, about six or seven, and I said, okay, if we're going to do this, I really need to practice. He said, yeah, no problem. So I took some time off. I was working on my game. I wouldn't teach anybody, and then when the, when the web.com comes to my hometown every year, yeah um, I decided to try to go caddy just to learn, you know, I've always had the philosophy. If you want to get better at something, you find people who are better than you and hang out with them. And so, and I thought, man, if these guys are on a level that I'm not on, let me go try to caddy. And, uh, I ended up working for a guy named Grant Waite that week and he asked me to caddy some more and next thing you know, that's my job. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I, I understand there's a little bit of a interesting story at, at your first time caddying for Grant. Can you kind of tell us about what, what happened that first uh, event?
1: Yeah, so I had a fever. I uh, tried to do the Monday qualifier. I had a 102 fever. I called after I didn't make it. I, I called to see if I could caddy, and they said, Find the caddy master. Well, I grew up at a public course. I didn't know what a caddy master was. So yeah. I'm walking around aimlessly at this web.com tour event trying to find uh, the caddy master. And a friend of mine drove by in a golf cart with Grant Wade in it. And I said, Hey, Kenley, do you know where the caddy master is? He said, Yeah. He said, do you, but do you want a caddy? I said, yeah. He goes, well, here, meet Grant Wait." So he told Grant I was a pro and this was my home course. I knew the course real well, blah, 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 whatever. So yeah. Grant hired me, explained to me five, seven, ten, told me he's going to pay me $500 for the week for salary. And he said, let me go change my shoes and I'll, I'll, uh, we'll go play nine holes. And I said, oh, you want me to work today? I, I'm not working today. I'm sick. So <laughs> the, guy just, the guy just hired me and I told him I'm not working today. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so he's like, okay. And yeah. he didn't fire me, I don't know why, but yeah. um, looking back, I think anybody else would have. So he asked me if I could watch him putt a little bit on Wednesday. I said, yeah, I should feel a little better. So I watched him putt for about an hour on Wednesday. Then Thursday rolls around, and I'm watching this guy warm up, and I'm like, who is this guy? It's unbelievable how good he hits it. Yeah. And meanwhile, he had found someone to caddy for him on, on Tuesday, just the front nine. So he'd seen the front nine, but never found he'd never seen the back nine. So yeah. we go to the, the 10th tee to start off, and they ask us, uh, I'm sorry, they go to the 10th and they about to announce this and Grant asked me, he said, hey, what's it to carry that bunker right there? And I, I told him it's a two iron. <laughs> and he said, well, it might be a two iron for you, but I don't know how far you hit a two iron.
0: Yeah.
1: I thought, well, that's fair enough. <laughs> so I was just staring off into the abyss at that moment. And he said, Ted, I said, yeah, man, what's up? And he goes, how far is it to carry that bunker? I said, eh, <laughs> nah, it's about 200. He said, about <laughs> 200? I said, yeah. He goes, Ted, how far is it to cover that bunker in your yards book? Yeah. To which I replied, "I don't have a yards book." <laughs> I think his eyes popped out of his face. Yeah. And he said, uh, "You don't have a yards book? You, where?" I said, "Look, buddy, when I when I play a mini tour event, I carry the yards book. I thought you'd have one. Like yeah. you're the pro. What do I need one yeah. for? You know? And uh, he's like, "You got to get a yards book." So I sprinted to the clubhouse. Fortunately, I knew all the pros in there. They threw one at me. I sprinted back. Now on the tee, Grant, wait. I know how to read a yards book. I looked it up. It was two oh three to cover, and the man pulled out a two iron. I thought, yeah. "What am I here for?" <laughs> so, yeah. so that was pretty funny. And then he then he birdied that hole, he birdied this, another hole, two holes later, and we got to the, the, our um, our fourth hole. He asked me what this hole was, and said, "This is the hardest hole in the Web.com tour every year. It's the highest scoring par four that there is. It's like four point seven eight, and there's treacherous green. And you get, if you hit it left, you're dead. And obviously, you can see the water. I, mean, I was yeah. trying to think of every negative thing I could do to explain it yeah. to him. To which he replied, Hey, hey, stop. No hole's hard if you execute. Yeah. Every hole's hard if you don't. Okay. I said, Okay, I need to write that down. That's, that's good. That's what yeah. I'm here for to learn. Yes. Yeah. So he ended up birdieing that hole and uh, he eagled the neck. So it was 500 through 5 of the par. And I, I went inside the portalette. I said, I got to go use the bathroom. And I called my fiance at the time and asked her what 10% of 90,000 was yeah. just to make sure I was right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think there was any way that we could lose at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my first experience. And then to, to finally top it off, I showed up an hour and 10 minutes early on Sunday. I'd never been on time a day in my life. Sunday, I show up an hour and 10 minutes early because he wants me there an hour early. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this guy has been so nice to me. And when I walk in, my friend's like, you're late. I said, I'm Cameron, I'm not late. He says, last night was daylight savings time, oh, so I was geez. there to time to finish off my first week, and uh, somehow he asked me to caddy again, so I don't know if he was that desperate or yeah. what, but
0: yeah. So what? I what, didn't know anything about it. Yeah, what course and what event was that?
1: Uh, it's at Le Triomphe in Broussard, Louisiana, the okay. Chittimacha uh, Open.
0: Okay, and so then how long did you end up caddying for Grant?
1: I worked for Grant for three years, okay. and then I worked for Paul Eisinger for three years, and then Bubba.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so it was around like, what, what year would you have moved to, uh, Azinger? Uh, 03. Okay. And what was kind of the highlight of your time then with Azinger?
1: Um, man, we just had a lot of fun off the course. Um, the reason I started working for him is he wanted me to teach him how to play foosball and I started teaching him foosball. And then he asked me to go caddy in, in in Flint, Michigan one week because, uh, they have great foosball tournaments at nighttime there. And so, he wanted me to partner up with him. So I went and caddied, and the first week I worked for him, we finished seventh, and then he was like, man, you want to caddy some more? So we we just had a great time. I mean, Paul was, he had a lot of back issues back then and was kind of struggling with his game, but um, but man, he was a fiery competitor. And, you know, I, I learned a tremendous amount from Grant. I learned a tre- tremendous amount from Paul, and obviously I've learned a lot from Bubba too. So it's, it's been great. You know, I, I still teach golf and try to give back to the, to the people that, you know, hopefully can learn from all the stuff that I've learned, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh you're you're with Azinger and then you move on to Bubba. <clears throat> What's uh there's a lot of differences between those two players. I mean, from from a fan's perspective, how how right. is that how is that different uh catting for those two guys because I assume they approach the game very differently.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um I think it was they were kind of Bubba's kind of a blend of Grant and and paul you know grant was a very like technical amazing talented ridiculous swing you know like the perfect golf swing even tiger woods in 2000 his best year ever he said in a quote you know if i could have anybody swing i'd have grant Wade swing oh yeah and uh, as you remember when he hit that 600 out the bunker over water yeah in canada that was to beat grant i was caddying for him and i'd just been i was three months into caddying so when tiger said that like Obviously, Grant was, you know, had a great swing, and then Zinger, he didn't break eighty until he got into college. His first time he ever broke eighty, and oh wow. okay. he he wasn't real talented naturally. Like he he had to work hard and learn, and but he had a great mind. You know, like Paul was just tough, a lot of belief in himself, and so um Bubba's kind of a blend of those two. Like Bubba's not technical, but he has just like the game is kind of easy. Like like Grant, it's easy to hit a good golf shot. You know, Bubba's the same way. Like he just. He can just walk out and and stripe it right down the middle no problem Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and yet he also he also has a lot of belief in himself too so he's kind of a blend of those two you know um not as technical a swing as grant and probably not quite as the same belief that that paul has but uh they they kind of i think god prepared me for for bubba with those two you know i kind of got to see two sides of the coin that were successful and then bubba's kind of in the middle of those two you know
0: yeah So you kind of started out as an instructor and then you go, you you move into, to caddy. And with Grant and with Paul, are you uh, doing any swing instruction for them or are you like the on field or, you know, on course coach or what's, what's kind of your, your main role with them?
1: Uh, Well, with Grant, you know, Grant was, um, he was extremely knowledgeable. He still is probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the, in the country, I think on the golf swing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, I I never hit the ball that well when I was growing up. So a lot of the concepts that even I was going to start teaching were, were wrong. You know, Grant taught me a lot about the swing. And then uh, Zinger taught me a ton about, you know, short game wedges, tipping, things like that. And I was able to help him with his putting a lot. Um, But, you know, as a caddy, you're just trying to fill gaps. You know, there's, every player has gaps that they need filled, And you're just trying to, whether it's make them believe in themselves or, you know, you see something they're putting or you see a little something in their swing or rhythm or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to find a way to help them. And, you know, I, I kind of have a belief of when a guy is playing great, you, you almost can't help him Like, you know, yeah. you're almost just an inside the road spectator. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't take credit for any time that my guy's playing great. You know, I really don't because mm-hmm. he's on fire and it's like, he's reading the greens. Well, he's, you know, it's more the times when they're struggling a little bit that you can say the right thing at the right moment or maybe see a little something in their swing. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely not their their coach. I've never coached any of the guys that I work for. You know, I'm just yeah. uh, kind of a soundboard and just trying to figure out, you know, help them plant a seed that maybe helps them in the future. You know, you come up with little ideas that help and if they buy into it. But, you know, ultimately these guys are on tour already because of their skills and their practice and their work ethic and their belief already. So, yeah. You're just trying to enhance that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, it, Bubba's one of those players that I always like to to point my students to because not not as someone to, to imitate, but to say like, there's a lot of ways to get the ball in the hole, and there's there's a lot of ways to do it. There's no one perfect swing. This is a guy who's won two Masters. Um, right. Is is he a guy that like what's what's kind of his? When he's playing well, when he's when he's not playing well, what's what are you normally seeing in him that that he needs to get over the hump? You know, a lot of guys maybe they go go the range and hit a bunch of shots and they're they're working on their technique, but at least from a from a fan's perspective, it doesn't seem like Bubba's maybe that type of player. Um, he's a very seems like a very feel player. How does he go from struggling to success?
1: Well, for Bubba, the game of golf is extremely easy. Like the actual physical part of the game, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I, I, I don't think many people would argue with this. Guys that even know him on the tour, he might have the best hands on the PGA Tour. You know, like okay. he's just got <laughs> he's got incredible feel, mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. he he goes from one extreme to the other, meaning one swing he hits a huge hook, and the next swing he hits a huge slice. Yeah. You really, you really can't get lost in that because you always know where the middle is. You know, whereas people that maybe always fade it or always trying to hit it dead straight, you know, you start hooking it a little bit. You're like, what am I doing wrong?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, he's always pushing the envelope with a huge slice and a huge hook. So it's kind of like, man, everything in between is fair game. So for him, it's all about his mind and thought process. And, um, you know, when, when you're playing like Bubba's worst finish ever on the mini tours was third, I believe, um, Heath Slocum's dad ran a, ran a tour, a mini tour, and I think he won 11 out of 12 of those tournaments. Like, so the oh. distraction part of the PGA tour is what's hard for Bubba, you know? Okay. Yeah. I think when, if, if there was no spectators and no cameras, it'd be hard to beat him every, every day. Cause he's just that good. So yeah. it's all about just trying to clear his mind and keep him from being distracted from all the, you know, the noise and noise, not only in his own head, but the noise that people put in your head, whether it's expectations or Ryder cup points or president's cup or FedEx cup or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. there's always something to distract you from what your job is. And, you know, really none of that stuff exists. Really. The only thing that exists is the next shot, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's hard because what's the first thing, even you, you know, what's the first thing, Eric, people ask you whenever you get off the course, Uh, what
0: uh, would you
1: shoot? Right. So, you know, there's always an expectation always. Yeah. And so, you can't just go out there and just go like, "Man, I, I committed to every shot. I did the best I could and I got beat." You know, it's always like, "Oh, you know, you, this happened or that happened." So, I think for Bubba it's just there's just a lot of distraction and uh, yeah. when he's when he's got clarity in his mind, he plays phenomenal. So yeah.
0: So, you know, a lot of especially with these days where they they're the TVs are able to mic up basically the conversation the caddies and the and the players are having and you know a lot of those discussions are like hey is this a seven or an eight iron is is it ever like what are those conversations with like for you because like you said with grant weight you said hey it's a two iron and he he hit exactly that he basically hit the shot you would have hit um bubba doesn't necessarily hit a lot of shots that a lot of people would hit right he he seems like he's very he's got an imagination and he can make his imagination a reality right so are you doing much of saying like hey i think this is an eight iron right you know or is how is he how are you talking him through like what shot to hit or do you at all
1: well in the in the early years you know it was i was clueless you know it was kind of like he might say, "What club do you like?" and I and I, I would reply with, well, "What kind of shot are you going to hit?" Because that matters, you know. Yeah. Um, now here we are. This is our 14th year together. I think um, pretty much can visualize what what he wants to do or what he wants to see. So, you know, for instance, if if I know the yardage and the pins on the left, and and it's you know has this sort of look to it, then it's just from history, just seeing him hit so many golf shots to that type of visualization or a whole location or whatever, you know, then I kind of know like, yeah, this is what he's probably going to want to hit. So, you know, mostly Eric as a caddy, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of these guys need a lot of help uh, until they're under pressure. And then it's just, they, they more need help because, you know, we're all getting a little insecure, even the best players in the world. Yeah. And start doubting of something very simple, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're always just trying to bring them back to like, dude, you know what club it is. Like, it's an eight iron. Perfect. You know, hit it here. Like, it's just a driving range eight iron or, you know, whatever. So for Bubba, you know, he's he's a master painter. And uh, I just hold the brushes, you know, and carry him around. Mm-hmm. But I've seen him paint enough times that I kind of can, can say, yeah, you probably want to use orange here, yeah. knowing that that's what he wants to use. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I would say, I would say rarely am I, Am I the puppet master, you know, if, if ever, you know, I think it's more just trying to get on the same wavelength as him, you know, so he feels confident that, man, there's two of us that like us cut six iron to this pin or whatever. Then he's like, oh yeah, then it must be, you know, whereas maybe if he asks me and he's thinking seven and I say six, that maybe creates some doubt. So it's more just trying to, trying to, you know, feel what he's feeling. And I don't have his feel, but, but I've seen it enough where I can kind of visualize like, yeah, typically this is what he'll want to do here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I want to want to get into uh, 2012 and specifically the Masters, his his first major championship, and uh, you're on the bag. What what's the what was it like leading up to that event? And did you see it in him that oh this this guy's this guy has a real good shot this week? Um, and and then what kind of stood out from that whole event?
1: Well, Bubba said to me three times. I think I can win this tournament and he's won all three of those. Oh, so, nice. um, he's, he had been visualizing that he could win the masters and he had told me, he said, I, I think I can win the masters. Mm-hmm. And he was, mm-hmm. he was kind of saying that stuff, you know, just here and there leading up to the 12 masters, not necessarily the week before, but just kind of making little comments like, man, I feel, feel, I feel like I can do well there. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, obviously I think he had played well, you know, leading into that. If I remember, uh, he had done well at Doral, and you know, so, so he had some confidence going in, and then uh, if you look at Bubba's history, he's won five out of six playoffs on the PGA Tour. Okay. The only one he lost was the the uh, Whistling Straits PGA Championship to Martin Keimer. Okay. and he actually, he actually birdied the first hole and parred the second hole, and then the third hole, they hit it in the rough, and, and uh, he and his caddy that day, because my daughter was being born, I wasn't caddy, and mm-hmm. they, uh, they thought the ball was going to jump out of the rough, and it didn't, so he's very good when he gets near the lead. Like he's a, he's a closer, you know what yeah. I mean? So, um, so anyway, going back to Augusta, it's one of those things that makes it super easy to, uh, to not worry about distraction because number one, they're very good with the patrons. You know, the patrons all know how to act, act there. Mm-hmm. There's no like, you know, get in the whole bull crap as you're trying to make contact, you know, yeah. there's just very little, very little distraction there. And then also uh, the golf course itself, it's so well uh, designed in the sense of colors. Like when you stand on the T it's very easy to see where you need to hit it, you know, because you've got bright pine, you know, bright green grass and super white sand and dark pine straw. And, you know, it's just kind of like, it just, it almost tells you what to paint. Okay. And so his, his, uh, imagination comes alive at that golf course you know it's just one of those places where he can't wait to go play it because it just it just tells him what to do and i think Mm -hmm. sometimes bubba has so many shots it's difficult to choose which shot to eat to you yeah whereas when you get there it's kind of like no this is this is the shot you have to hit and Mm -hmm. so um that makes it good so leading up to that week um you know like i said he had talked about winning. And then he got in the second to last group with Louie. I Mm. I believe it was the second to last group. And, um, maybe it was the final group. I don't even remember at this point, but, Mm. uh, I think, I think Phil was actually Phil and, um, and Peter Hanson were in the last group behind us. Okay. But, um, but anyway, so yeah, you know, we just went there and then, and then it helped whenever Louie made double Eagle on the second hole, Yeah. you know, all of a sudden sudden you're three shots back of him. Yeah. And, and, and then Phil, I think hit the grandstand on, on, uh, on four you know the par three and made like a double or triple and that kind of pushed him back so we were kind of chasing for a long time you know and when we when we hit that that 12th hole and and uh got through there and then we just kind of went on a birdie run you know it was like okay and somehow we ended up tying louis and then you know the rest is history but uh you know like i said bubba's history being in the lead has been very good or being near the lead he's he he doesn't go backwards very often you know he's not one of those guys
0: it's almost like when he sees that the that the win is near he he locks in and he focuses in real real tight
1: yeah for some reason the distractions go away you know i think the the moment gets so nerve-wracking and so big that it just makes him focus and like yeah. i said he's so good at golf that if you can keep his focus tight i mean it's hard to beat you know mm-hmm. and that's the the three times that he said I, I think i can win and he's won all three of those times like he started off on thursday like the most focused I've ever seen him, you know? So yeah. it's kind of interesting, you know, it's like, he just had nothing could bother him. Nobody say anything or nothing, no interviews, no people in the crowd. And, you know, just, you just like nothing could get to him because he's just focused on his goal, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so he gets into a playoff and you guys are in a playoff with, uh, Ustazen and, right uh, Bubba hits one of the most legendary, uh, shots I can remember at the masters. I actually had a shirt, from Travis Matthew of the, of the shot from the, uh, pine straw on was it 10, right? Correct. And what was the conversation like before that shot? Was there ever a moment where he told you, this is what I'm going to do. And you were like, you're going to do what?
1: <laughs> no, it was, it was very obvious to both of us. Okay, um, you know, Bubba, I remember my dad in new Orleans one year was walking with us in a practice round and Bubba said, just have your dad come inside the rope. So we were just playing a practice round. And, and my dad said, so Ted tells me you can hit a big old hook. And he said, yeah, you want to see one. And he dropped a ball in the middle of the fairway with a pitching wedge. And my dad's been watching golf his whole life. And, you know, he still talks about how he's never seen a shot like crazy, you know, how much yeah. he can hook it. So, And believe it or not, he'll do that stuff in the middle of the fairway in the tournament sometimes. Yeah. just if For some reason, it just feels comfortable and he'll break that shot out. So, yeah. and, and I've played a, probably a hundred rounds with Bubba and seen great shots like that. So, yeah. For me, for him, you know, we get over there, the the wind felt a little out of the left, the ball's above his feet, it's it's firm, it's on pine straw, the, the lie is sitting good. There's an opening that's twenty feet wide, so you don't have to you're not really scared of hitting a tree as the ball's leaving the woods. So like everything about it was like this isn't even you know, nothing that we would even second guess. Uh, obviously it's I always compare it to the eight foot putt that Tiger Woods made to tie Bob May. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Valhalla mm-hmm. to get into the playoff, you know, we look at that putt and go, "Man, Tiger's superhuman." Yeah. But my my daughter, who doesn't play golf, could make that eight foot putt. Yeah. So it wasn't really the skill that that's impressive. It's more the moment that makes it impressive.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, obviously, the skill to hit that shot is impressive, but I know this sounds crazy, but when you've seen somebody do it enough, you almost become numb to it. So for mm-hmm. me, the shot wasn't like, "Oh my gosh, how did he do that?" It's like, "Well, he does that when we go play all the time." Yeah. So more like the moment and then to to choose the right club and to get the distance and to get it to to hook the right amount you know that's what made it sick you know just like yeah. wow how'd you do that under that pressure you know so yeah. pretty amazing
0: yeah yeah I, I just remember watching that and thinking there's I mean at that point you could kind of see where the momentum was going in Bubba's favor and you're like Oh, I think I think he's got this. This is going to be a tough one, just because pulling off that shot in that moment is is was pretty huge. So, um, so then was the 2014 Masters the other one of the other three times where he said, "I think I can win"?
1: No, it wasn't. No, but I, I think he knows that he can win at Augusta. You know, he can yeah. win again at Augusta because it, it just almost every hole is a dog leg left. T shot and his driver's made to to cut Mm -hmm. so it's it's hard for him to turn it over which is kind of ironic because in 12 when we played with Louis, he hit driver on uh 18 in regulation he hit driver on 18 in the first playoff hole and he hit a draw both of those times to keep it away from the bunker right down the center Mm -hmm. so that was kind of crazy because uh he never does that like and for him that shows how good he is like he never hits a draw driver ever. And then he breaks it out on the 72nd hole yeah. and the 73rd hole and stripes it right down the middle. I was just going like, what? I mean, that, that was one of those times that kind of shocked me. Like his ball started left and turned back to the fairway. I was like, Oh, he pushed it. And then it's like, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so it, it's just one of those things, but no, you know, he didn't mention it at, at Augusta for 14 he just, um, it's kind of, it was almost the exact scenario. He's played well at Doral and, and uh, everybody thought in 16 he was gonna do it again because it was kind of a repeat of the 12 and 14 everybody's like oh he's gonna win again you know he's playing well Dural and so
0: yeah yeah <laughs> it's interesting so what would be the other than the the two masters victories do you have a favorite uh, event that you've played with Bubba or even uh, azinger or uh, grant Wade as well what what's what are the kind of the the events that really stand out to you is like that was that was a really fun one or that that was impressive.
1: Well, I, yeah, I love the Travelers Championship. I mean, they've always had a fantastic tournament. It's a small, it's a small town feel with a big town crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, you get huge support out there, and uh, and it's always, you know, coming down the stretch, those those last four holes are very exciting. You know, I mean, it just gets it, it gets tight. It gets, you know, you can make an eagle, and then you can make a triple, and then you can make another triple, and you, you know, it's just, it's like you just never know what could happen there at the end, and uh, so. And then obviously Bubba's won there three times, so that that makes really fun. And his first win ever on the PGA Tour was there, very emotional win, you know, trying to win before his dad passed away. So yeah. that's obviously a very special place in my heart. And then I, I would say uh, my favorite golf course to caddy at would be uh, Riviera, which uh, funny enough Bubba's won three times there as well. But yeah. I just I just love that golf course. It's it's so hard. There's no rough it's kind of wide open. I mean, just it, it, I still don't know how it's so hard until I got to play it one time. And I'm like, Jesus place is hard, but he's kind of like a, it's almost like you're playing a video game around there. It's like, Hey, hit a ball here. Okay. Now hit it there. He just makes it look so easy at that course. And I, and I don't know how he does it, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. it's just fun. The weather's good. The crowds are good. The course is awesome. So I love that, yeah. that experience. Yeah.
0: Now we just had the, uh, the president's cup, um, and Bubba wasn't on that team, but he's been on previous uh, Ryder Cups, correct? And and you've had the opportunity to, to uh, compete with him in those as well, um, right? What what kind of how do those experiences compare to what you've gone through with majors and and re- regular tour events and all that sort of stuff? How are what's kind of the highlights or um, do you enjoy about those those events?
1: Well, I think the biggest two things is that number one, we get we get to spend a lot of time with other players in a relaxed atmosphere. When you're in the team room, you know people feel that they can trust you. Uh, they feel like, hey, you know what? I can let my hair down, so to speak, and just be myself. And uh, you don't always get that when you're trying to compete against someone one on one. But when you get in the team atmosphere, you know everybody rooting for you and uh, not trying to beat you. So that's a real unique experience as a golfer, you know, you normally you're out there one on one and now you're out there 12 on 12. So it's, it's a fun thing. Um, you know, that, that part's a blast. And then the second part is, is I think the pressure's hard, a lot harder than a major, you know, I think the pressure's mounts way more than any experience I've ever had on a golf course. You know, maybe, maybe players would feel different about it, but as a caddy, I feel more nervous in the Ryder cup than I do, you know, coming down the stretch of Augusta yeah. or whatever. And so, Um, and I think it's because you, you feel like, man, you know, I, I got 11 other people that are depending on me kind of a thing, you know what I'm saying? Versus if you screw up the masters, you're like, well, that sucked, but it's just you. If you screw up the, the Ryder cup, you feel like you're letting everybody else down and that's, it takes, it takes all to make the win, you know, but, um, but this is the way you feel you're kind of playing for something bigger than yourself. And, and that's, that just to me makes the pressure go up.
0: Yeah. So do you have a highlight from your Ryder Cup, President's Cups? Because you've been to quite a few of them, correct?
1: Yeah, I've been fortunate. Um, you know, I think, like Bubba says, the most fun one was uh, when, when actually Bubba uh, got asked to be an assistant captain. And then they asked me to come up there, too, which was really an honor because uh, typically only the only caddy that goes is the is the captain's c- caddy okay and uh so i got i got asked to participate as well which was an absolute blast to be a part of that yeah. um uh, let go drive around the golf cart and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with yeah. an earpiece and go yeah. run errands and encourage people and pull up and watch them you know uh because it, it wasn't a lot of pressure as in like you know i got to choose the right club but it still had you still have the butterflies because you want your team to do well and so that was the most fun i've had at any of those events you know just being that close inside the ropes and and being on the radio and hearing what captains are talking about and you know it's just it was pretty spectacular
0: yeah so what what kind of stuff goes into that i guess coaching a Ryder Cup team cuz because we were this is a an individual sport but when you make it a team sport you're you're still very much kind of on your own in the golf course You you know, what, what are you looking for when you're captaining or assistant captaining or, you know, coaching these guys in a, in an individual sport? What's, what's kind of the approach there? What are you looking for?
1: Well, I think, uh, I think, you know, in the, in the past, it was obviously camaraderie was probably the number one thing, but now with stats and things like that, they're getting a lot smarter about it. You know, like I don't know the stats behind it, but obviously uh certain people certain types of players are going to do better in alternate shot than they would in you know best ball so mm. you know you might have i don't know it to me it would make sense that great ball strikers would be a good alternate shot team because yeah. you know you're never going to be scrambling like if one guy hits it down the middle the other guy hits it on the green the other guy lags it up i mean you know pars are a pretty good scoring an alternate shot most of the time so mm-hmm. uh so i would think that good ball strikers are good in that whereas you know, maybe somebody that rolls the rock is amazing and foursomes. You know, whatever. I mean, four ball. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I think um, I think the strategy, you know, is, is, has something to do with the stats, but also you want to find two people that just gel together. You know, it's like it's like any partnership. You know, imagine you know the Bryan brothers are so good at tennis because they know each other, they feed off each other. They're you know identical twins and have the same personality type thing. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a great team, just like a caddy player. You know, there's a high turnover rate for caddies and players because it's like dating almost, you know, you, you, until you find the right one. You just keep trying a new one, you know. yeah. And uh, and I think that's kind of what, as a captain, they're just probably trying to figure out, like, you know, who who motivates each other and who has fun and can make it light and bring out the best in each other, you know. And mm-hmm. when you find those matchups you know, obviously there's been some great matchups over the years, some great teams that are like, geez, you know, I don't want to go against those two yeah. players because, you know, they're so tough, you know, together kind of yeah. thing. And that's what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So before we hit record, I, I told you that we just recently, uh, a couple episodes ago, had Paul Tasori on, and, and you made a comment about him that he's he's one of your good friends. Um, I, would, I would assume that the, that, the caddies on the pga tour kind of have this fraternity of like you know you're all in kind of a very unique position in sports um is that something where you all kind of bond together or over over this shared job or is it is it kind of kept um very competitive i guess are you what describe what that sort of camaraderie is like with the caddies on the tour Oh,
1: I think it's the same as the players. I mean, in the locker room, you're you're cordial and you have fun. You cut up. And then, you know, when you're out there playing, you want to beat the next guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm coming down the stretch against my roommate for the week, I want to beat his brains out because, yeah. you know, we're competitive just like the players are. But, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, you, it's a game we're playing and you shake hands and, and don't let the, the outcome of the game affect your friendship. You know, that's that's the way I look at it. And, yeah. and uh, you know, and it's probably like any – if you took a hundred people in any circle of life, whether it's, you know, whatever job you're probably going to find all kinds of personalities and, and little groups that get together and, and get along better than others. And, you know, that's just kind of how it is. So it's really no different. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, we do a unique job, but I think the, the mindset's the same, you know, you, you're going to spend so much time with these guys. You might as well enjoy, enjoy hanging around each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said, caddy is kind of a, a unique position in sports. And, and I think that caddies maybe don't, uh, to, to the average fan, maybe don't get as much credit for what they do. What do you think, what's something that that you think maybe the average fan or even the, just like the casual fan doesn't realize about uh, what caddies, what caddying is about and what it you're doing? Well,
1: I mean, most people that have caddied for one time go wow i had no idea you yeah. know uh you know the the casual fan thinks like oh you caddy that must be a good job that must be easy that's yeah. oh that sounds like a breeze you know until they do it and uh and i would say there's several things you know it's hard to pick out one but um probably the most difficult thing for caddies is the financial part of it you know people everybody thinks like Oh, he got a dollars because he's pro one first or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize mm-hmm. is how rare wins are, number one. Yeah. Number two, it's like farming, you know, like you don't ever know what kind of plague is gonna come. You know, your player gets an injury or loses his ability to, to make a good golf swing or loses his confidence and your income goes off the map. Or yeah. you just not he doesn't feel the energy. You're not you're not vibing too well. You know, I've been fortunate that uh, I've worked for some really great guys and we've gotten along with really well, but I mean, I bet, I bet you, if you really looked into it, it's probably a year and a half would be the average pro caddy relationship. So, okay. um, you know, it's a s- extremely stressful position to be in mm-hmm. and it's super high pressured because, you know, the first person to go is the caddy, you know, it's not yeah. the coach, you know what I mean? It's, it's usually the caddy's the first person to go. So uh, on the team, so, you, you know, you're, you're under pressure for your guy to play well for your benefit and his benefit and uh it's very physically demanding we're carrying a 50 pound bag on one shoulder and walk probably seven miles with that bag every day yeah and then and then if you get a guy that practices you know you're standing on your feet for another three or four hours and uh you know it's it people don't realize how hard that is on your body you know because it's it's a it's not a very good way to walk you know it's very one-sided even using a double strap you know you look at the guys they're they're leaning over funny and so anatomically it's not good on your body it's stressful uh, on your brain because you're, you're trying to think of every way you can to help your guy. And every person's unique. So mm-hmm. when you go to work for someone, you, there's no like protocol. Oh, this is how we do it. Yeah. I mean, you have to adapt to their personality, their wants, you know, like one person's like, don't talk to my ball when <laughs> it's in the air. The next guy's like, you know, Hey, don't tell me when I'm inside of 50 yards, don't give me a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, you know, it's like, you just never know what their, what their requirements are. So, uh, it's a, it's a very difficult position and, I've loved it, but I've been very fortunate to never have the struggles, uh, really financially. I, I've been blessed to be, you know, with number one, a woman that's frugal. Number two, we've, we've made smart choices even before we we had real success. But, but more importantly than that is I've just worked for great players that have done well. And, and I've had some of my closest friends have had famine for five years and then one good year and then struggle, you know, so, yeah. it's tough man you know I, I i wouldn't just recommend hey yeah run out and try to be a caddy yeah
0: You
1: know, and then finally the last thing i would say is it's gotten way tougher to become a caddy you know when i was uh in the early 2000s i used to pick up some bags on weeks off and i remember olin brown won the deutsche bank and he was scheduled to, to play in uh, vancouver the following week but it was so far to go he was like nah, i'm not gonna go and I was going to caddy for him and I'd already went there and he's like, man, I'm sorry. I said, no, man, it's no big deal. And I just stood in the parking lot and picked up John Cook for the week, which was pretty easy back then. Oh yeah. And now, I mean, you know, I know a lot of great caddies that don't have work. So if you think of the average lifespan of a caddy is probably a year and a half. And then if you get let go or fired, how are you going to find another job? It's not real likely. So it's a yeah. tough business, man, you know, and. We only see the guys that are doing well, but when you really think about the overall picture of it, it's it's not it's not necessarily a vocation that's like oh this is everybody should do this. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So one of the questions I always like to ask every guest we have on the show is, "What is your favorite course you've ever played?"
1: Who my favorite course I've ever played? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a tough one. I've played some. I love to play golf on the road, and I've played some amazing golf courses. Can I give you more than one?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Uh, I would say Cypress. Okay. Definitely up there, um, Friars Head, in New York, uh, New York, at Long Island, and I would say uh, North Berwick in Scotland would be one. Okay. So those would be those would be three courses that are amazing. I have played Augusta. That was amazing. Okay. So, yeah, there's some good ones for you.
0: <laughs> and do you, so did you get on Augusta, like, as how – how does that, I guess, work for, for caddies? Is it, is it because uh, Bubba got you on as a past winner or when, when yeah, was so, that? Yeah,
1: so, so Bubba, so Bubba called, uh, called up one of the members and just said, hey, I'd like to bring a few guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I was one of those guys. So we just nice. – uh, the member hooked us and we got to go play.
0: That's Awesome. That's yeah great.
1: really fun
0: cool all right well um thanks for, so much for coming on the show here we really enjoyed hearing your your thoughts and your stories and and just taking the time to to share with us so um yeah want to uh wish you guys good luck for the next year and we'll definitely be watching eric
1: thanks for having me man i appreciate you reaching out
0: thanks for joining us today Don't forget to subscribe and rate The Looper wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Looper Podcast. Talk to you next time.